Hey everyone, we're live here, EXO Live, EXO Marriage YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us. We have people joining us right now in the chat. Uh, if you're in the chat or you're signing on right now, make sure you let us know where you're watching from. We have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about all things marriage, divorce. You have a chance, though, to get free marriage advice from experts in the room, Neil Prevo and Teresa Thomas. You have probably heard from them before on the show. If you've seen previous episodes, if you haven't seen those episodes, I encourage you to go watch those because there's a lot of information in there that will help you to understand how to navigate marriage, but also how to avoid divorce. And I want to start off today talking about something because a lot of people don't know this. There is a national divorce day that's happening the first business day of the new year. So this is about a month away. Right after the new year, there's a spike in divorce attorney calls. And this is not something I'm making up. We have a divorce attorney that's going to verify this information here in a minute. And we have now, though, the opportunity to help you avoid that. So if you think you're going to go through the holidays and you're just going to ride it out and then at the end of it, see what happens, well, I can just tell you there's a reason why there's a spike in calls to divorce lawyers right off the holidays. It's because people aren't managing their relationships through that process. This is going to be a very fun time for a lot of couples, a lot of families, but also it's very stressful because you add in-laws, you add finances, you add all these different ingredients that can really strain a marriage so we're going to tackle all things today related to marriage, family, divorce. And I want to go back to the guests of the hour. And also Stephanie, my <laughs> wife, is here joining me, Hi. the love of my life. We, we're also experts. We've been married for over 25 years. You, you learn a few things along the way. So I feel like we can also answer some questions that come in if we need to. Yeah. Uh, but Neil Prevo, welcome back. I'm happy to be here. Yes, glad to have you. You're you're, uh, you're a viral sensation. Your your video that came <laughs> out of our last uh, show was uh, a little controversial because people don't like to hear that kids are better off with parents who don't divorce. And you said it so well that there is ne never a ch there's not a category there's never a, a really a, a value system that puts divorce into the bonus column for kids. It's always a right. deficit for kids, and that was really good. And then Teresa Thomas. We've known each other Hello. for over a decade, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking about pickleball earlier. You're a pickleball enthusiast, but you're also a very, very talented, gifted, not just in the, the counseling, LPC, you know, the coaching marriage side, but you're also a business person. You've had successful businesses in the past. You bring a lot of wisdom and talent to the marriage space, understanding how couples are designed and how they work together, but also how, um, you know, they end up in your office a lot of times because... They, they need things that you've been able to provide them through the application of what you've learned in the counseling LPC side, but also the mediation side. And the two of you together have a friendship that goes back 40 plus years. 40 plus, 42, 43, something like that. Long time. Yeah. 1980, however long ago that was. <laughs> Suzanne Summers was barely getting started. <laughs> so it really is a really interesting friendship because uh, one of you is going through divorce mediations. Another one's going through marriage mediations. And that word mediation gets people tripped up all the time. But as yep. we're talking about National Divorce Day, as we're talking about the truth behind what happens whenever couples automatically get into a rhythm or you know, maybe it's just a downward flow of how life happens, that they end up having to make a decision after the holidays, and we want them to end up in Teresa's office. <laughs> Amen. But oftentimes they're, getting, they're giving... Uh, they're, they're, they're getting your number. They're giving you a call. Yeah. You're the one that gets the call. So I'd like for you guys just to take a minute to explain the difference between divorce mediation and marriage mediation. 
why people should choose marriage mediation. So we have a ministry here on property, the Excel Marriage Center. We have space for couples to come in and do marriage mediations. But Teresa, take it off uh, for here. Take, take it from here and uh, talk about marriage mediation. Okay, it sure will. So uh, Neil and I went through uh, the divorce mediation certification together, and we both left with this aha experience of what's missing here. Um, and if you think about the um, playbook, if you will, of a divorce mediation where there's a divorce, there's a, an attorney that's a that's a mediator, and then you've got the couple. They each have to have a lawyer, and it's all this horizontal conversation. And if you look at the just the dynamics of that, the thing that's missing is the vertical God in there. And so together we we both thought, gosh, these techniques that we're learning for divorce mediation would work just as well in a marriage mediation dynamic um, and including the Holy Spirit in that process. So good. And we have a very high success rate for couples who are willing to go through that process. Talk about that. Absolutely. So um, it is a uh, results-oriented program. It's not counseling. It's not process-driven. It's it's all about the battles in the mind. So that cognitive approach has been um, a game-changer. It's changed the trajectory of how couples seek help if they want to have restoration. Um, And it's a eight hours. You come to our office for eight hours for a full day, or you, some couples require two days, but you don't have to have the hassle of, of scheduling hourly counseling sessions over a period of six or eight months. Um, we, it's a, we, we get you in the office, you go all the way through the process, and at the end of that, you're equipped to be able to understand how are we going to restore this marriage long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you say it's a battle of the mind. Mm-hmm. Ex- explain what you mean by that a little bit. Well, um, it's on the premise that whatever we're thinking, whatever thoughts we're adopting mm-hmm. is a direct translation of how we, how, of our emotional health mm-hmm. and what we do moving forward with relationships. So it all starts in the mind. Mm-hmm. So our, our job as mediators is to help couples identify and own that what you're believing mm-hmm. is why you're feeling what you're feeling and doing what That's you're good. doing. It's not your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's you got to own your thoughts and understanding that renewing of the mind is how couples transition from those feelings of hopelessness to hopefulness moving forward. That's so good because um, last time Neil was here, he talked about how he sees whenever people have a change of belief, yes. that's when they start heading towards divorce. That's it. I mean, it really is. And I think it's important for people to know that what, the, how the process sort of got um, off the ground or whatever was this idea that uh, in in divorce mediation and also I, I've been a mediator, uh, regular, me- not uh, divorce mediator, but just credentialed mediator since 1997. Mm-hmm. And I've only failed to settle eight cases in 26 years, mm-hmm. okay? We get them done. But I use mediation techniques, which is, uh, in, in essence, conflict resolution, and so here's what we put our heads together and we figured out was I'm not against therapy, but most couples' problems aren't pathological. There's not necessarily a DSMV-4 on, on – is that – So it, true. Is it DSMV? Yep, yep, Did it I get is. that right? Okay. Um, there's not necessarily a diagnosis, but they're certainly uh, lacking perhaps in uh, conflict resolution skills. 
So it's the old thing of, uh, now when I do a mediation, I'm just fishing. I'm just fishing, I'm getting their case over with, and I'm not really trying to teach them anything going forward. I'm using the skills of a mediator that I've been trained in to, to resolve conflict. What a marriage mediation does, on the other hand, is they do both. They both use the techniques to resolve the current conflict and teach you then those skills to avoid conflict going forward. Mm -hmm. And and so you wind up, and, and look, here's the, the, the reality. When somebody comes into my office, they've got one, two, three, or four issues that are driving the boat, right? That makes them feel like I am never spending another Christmas with his family. Mm -hmm. I am done. Aunt Tilly has done that to me for the last time. I'm out, right? Mm -hmm. um, what what happens is if they go in and you take and if in a marriage mediation if you take their one two or three biggest issues and work them to a resolution in which both people can live with it's it's and look win win might be too big a um, um, a word of an aspiration perhaps but certainly we can get to works 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 for him Works, works for her, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Works, works, which turns into win-win sure. at, the, at the end of the day. But if you can get your one, two, or three biggest problems, the, the temperature pulled down, a, a process by which we're going to work through this, and, and all of that, we, we just turn the gas off. You know, they come in and the burner's on high, right? <laughs> and so we just, we gonna, slowly over true. a day, we're going to turn the gas down. And we're gonna, it's going to simmer, and then it's going to cool off. And it may still be warm, but it won't be boiling when they leave Teresa's mm -hmm. office. If I solve your two or three biggest problems to where we get to works works, guess what you no longer need? You've bought yourself time then to implement the skills. You don't need a divorce. What you need is to go work on the skills that you've just learned. And a reality check. And a reality check. About There's so much dysfunctional thinking going on. They are so clouded and blinded to the reality of where they are in their marriage actually. Mm -hmm. And so when we're, we're able to give them um, knowledge and tools to take the blinders off and to start seeing things through God's lens instead of their own lens because people are coming in our office they may be going to church every Sunday and all of that, but literally they're doing marriage their way, not God's way. Mm. Yeah. And that's a, that's a light switch to them mm -hmm. when they realize there is a God's way of doing marriage. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, but I want to come to the, the practicality of divorce versus divorce mediation versus marriage mediation, okay. right? So you're talking about at the end of the day, a lot of couples are looking at it from the standpoint of, I want to relieve the pain. Yeah. I'm tired of the mess. I just want it over with. But then they go down the street of, okay, what is this going to cost us? What, what is a divorce actually going to cost us? And last time we talked about <laughs> there's, the, there's the hard cost and then there's the soft cost. There's, the, there's the real cost of, of lit litigation, all the legal fees. And then there's the ancillary cost of you know, additional housing, additional, you know, yep. uh, all Everything. the different things that you need now, double of, in order to live your life. That's real. So six figures, maybe at the end of the day, if you if you if you accumulate all that through the, the through a two year divorce, you're gonna spend yep. a lot of money. Or you can go to marriage mediation, has an over eighty percent success rate, mm -hmm. and try that first. So right out of the shoot, we talked about this. It's twelve thousand dollars for uh, divorce mediation. You have two at lawyers least. at least. That's that's just at the end, but because thank you that that's a day of lawyering for both sides is about five thousand a side. 
mediators 2500 that's 12500 but realize they've spent 90 days maybe even 6 months getting ready to go to the mediation that's just the final bump of of what it's going to cost to to get the divorce over with and so um, so yeah. one day in your office at, at, for a divorce mediation is about over 12 grand. Yeah, over 12 grand. Versus our office. And at the end of that, you lose half your assets. You lose at least 47% of the time with your kids. And you lose, I mean, you know, I mean, it's... But people uh, all day long will pay that to have oh, that yeah. happen. They just want the pain to end. Or they could come to marriage mediation and spend fifteen hundred for the day, yep. and 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 lose nothing. As a financial advisor, I would tell you: B, go to mediation <laughs> as, as fast as you can to get there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, well, the the thing is, is that people they put value on different things, sure. right? And so when they're when they're their money is their money, mm-hmm. and you go say, well, it's going to cost you a, for an hour with a counselor, it's going to cost you one hundred fifty dollars. That seems like let's try that first. Sure, sure. And then that typically does not work. You have way more frustration after a one-hour counseling session in a severe moment. If right. You just have a couple of just small things that you want yeah. to resolve with the counselor. But if you walk in and you've got years, years and years and years of stuff mm-hmm. piled into a closet that you've kept hidden, <laughs> and you, you just wait for somebody to poke that little wound, <laughs> and it just all comes flooding out. Right, right. The counselor can't do what he needs to do in that hour Ooh, session. So you no end way. up way worse after that hour than, than, than he started. So $1,500 gets people tripped up because they value their money and they think, what am I paying for? Mm-hmm. For $1,500, what am I getting? What am I getting? Well, you're getting, so $1,500 is for one day and then two days is $2,500. So all I'm saying is, is that you can either try a process that is proven yes. to work for people who are interested in resolving this besides going through the divorce system if you're if you're if you're living in a miserable life and you don't want to get divorced or that's the next step but you want to avoid it marriage mediation has a high success rate because it works yeah. and the investment that you make avoids the pain of the the financial wound that you're going to get whenever you go through a divorce and so i just from a common sense standpoint i don't we're not we're not structured to be for every single marriage always. Mm-hmm. It's when you're, in a, when you're in a point where you are miserable, you don't know how to resolve your problems, it is chronic and critical need, we can help. It literally can help you resolve it. And if money is your biggest hang-up, I'm just saying divorce is going to be way worse on your on your uh, accounting books mm-hmm. than it is if you go through marriage mediation. I just don't know why people wouldn't try it. So encourage folks out there to take away some of the stigma from marriage mediation so that they can feel like they understand what it looks like to be in your office with another mediator. Okay. Um, the thing that I would want to um, make sure that everyone knew that is marriage mediation, we're there to teach. We don't treat, meaning... Um, you're not going to come in and, and one person is just sitting there while the while the mediator's working with your other spouse who has already been identified as the identified patient. We're working with you as a couple and helping you understand that all of the things that seem like our marriage is a disaster and we're not going to make it, marriage mediation clearly uh, gives you the path to hopefulness moving forward so that 
the, the onus of any dysfunction that's going on is taken off of the couple because our encouragement is to let God drive. You get to be in the passenger seat while God's driving the marriage. He's the best navigator there is. And so when they have left God out of the, out of the picture and they're doing marriage their way, we're teaching them a new way to do marriage that has light bulbs going off the whole session that they're here. Mm -hmm. Here's what's so funny. She's talking about, you know, the patient's been identified. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you, here's the truth. Both of them, when they walk in her office, have clearly identified mm -hmm. the other spouse as the patient. I just need you but, to change him or yeah, change if you'll her. Yeah, if you'll just fit, we'll oh, okay. I'm so glad we're here. You can fix my husband, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's, there's a little bit of a light that has to go on that that's not exactly how it works. Yeah. But, and I think the biggest thing is that, that when they learn that um, you're feeling what you're feeling and doing what you're doing because of what you're thinking, mm -hmm. they've never heard that before. What do you mean, what am I thinking? Because they're always in this, this battle with each other. There's no room for unplugging and understanding where do I, what do I own in this conflict right now. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we, we want them to start owning, no, he is not making you feel anything. You're feeling what you're feeling because of what you're believing. That to you means I get to take back my emotional health and understand that I can change my thinking, which will change my feelings and my behavior. Mm -hmm. It's a novel idea they've never heard. Well, and and it's it's just absolutely true that that um, and this I learned from Teresa. I mean, years and years ago. But Ellis, who's the psychologist, says ABC. There's an activating event filtered by belief, and that now this is the big one. The the belief in the middle, in the middle. Then you draw your conclusion. Your conclusion or the consequence of that is always filtered by the belief. belief. So if you believe, remember we talked about the paradigm shift last time we were here? Mm -hmm. If you believe they're bad guy, well then, of course, everything they do is filtered through bad guy. I love that. that. And, I love that. And, 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 and that's, that's, where the, that's where the work can be done. Mm -hmm. And here's what's so awesome about it. We can't go back to the world is flat from a scientific theory, but we can go back to, you know what? She's really a sweet person. Mm -hmm. We can go back to that. They, we can go back to... You know, maybe he did have a good intention. Because that's did the that. one thing we can control. We can't control our spouse or their behavior, mm -hmm. but we can control what we believe right. about them. Mm -hmm. So yep. we, we, we want to empower people to understand, no, we're not going to come in and change your spouse because that's not going to make the marriage better. <laughs> What's going to make the marriage better is you, if you both renew your minds. That's good. And because... And you know, there's an old thing about football coaches, and it's also true with, with lawyers. You know, a, a good lawyer or a good football coach can take either team and win, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you think you're going to if you think you're gonna either get vindicated or not vindicated by going through a divorce about who's the better person, that's not going to happen. I mean, because it, there's so many other factors that go into it, and so many people think what a divorce is about is who's the better person. Uh, you know they want they want to be vindicated. They want the judge to decide that they're the, the they're right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and that the difficulty with that is here's what everybody's got to realize: right or wrong in a courthouse is when you get to fifty one percent. Right, it's just fifty one percent. You still got forty nine percent going the other way. So does that really make you 
right mm -hmm. or the better person because you got to 51 yeah. in the judge's in the judge's mind. Well, that's going to lead to six types of couples that you see <laughs> chronically. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I want to say that yeah. uh, we are here with uh, Teresa and Neil, and we are talking about marriage and divorce statistics and uh, all the things that are happening around the world of marriage. Coming up during the holidays, we have uh, Divorce Day, the first business day after the New Year's Divorce Day. We're trying to help you guys avoid Googling a divorce lawyer in your area right after the holidays. So we're, we're having great conversations. We have people, we have somebody from the UK, we have people from obviously Texas and from Maryland I'm seeing in here. So if you're watching right now and you want to put some uh, questions in the, uh, in the chat, we're going to answer those. I'm seeing uh, everybody right now in the chat when I'm looking at my computer, that's what I'm looking at. And we are going to be talking really the whole time about how to help couples navigate these issues that can lead to divorce. But you see six types of couples chronically. Like that's over and over and over. That's just both kind of the, the nature Same of. Couple. And I, I want y'all to kind of walk me through those. And I'll, I'll give you the, 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 the first type and you guys can speak into it. So the first type is arch rivals. Yeah, so I want to make sure that the audience understands that Neil and I have been friends for over 40 years. And when we get together and we um, dis may maybe discuss cases without disclosing names, we realized the exact same couple is in his office that's in my office. It's just a matter of who they go to for help. Mm -hmm. it's, they have the exact same problems. And we same narrowed issues. it down while we're writing this book to six specific types. And, and I'll... And I'll preface all this with we also realized that in a lot of cases by the time they either get to her office or my office now this is before the invention of marriage mediation it may be a little bit different now but by the time they get to either one of our offices it is oftentimes too late mm. and so what we're trying to do is identify these six patterns of behavior that you can make a 10 percent change now in your life to avoid a 50% loss later, sure, right? Sure. So what we're talking about, you talked, you used the word trajectory mm -hmm. a while ago. All we're trying to do is identify with these six, uh, couple, you know, recurring themes that uh, Teresa is then got practical advice on how to make the little five or 10% change now that will, because if you recognize yourself in these pictures, your trajectory is not good. It, it may not be bad yet, and that's where we hope to catch you to where you can make the little changes now to avoid the disaster later. So, yes, arch rivals. Uh -huh. Go ahead, Teresa. Arch rivals. <laughs> well, those, that's the couple that you'll be at dinner with, and they'll get in a fight, and they'll just have a blowout fight, mm -hmm. dishonoring each other, name-calling. Yeah. Um, and they don't – they have no social awareness mm -hmm. It's that, very awkward. Yes, and it's very dishonoring, very damaging. Um, Everybody has one of those couples they know, too. I know oh, yeah. you well, knew, you knew exactly who was going yeah. through your mind yeah. when I said uh, that. I mean, and the truth is, I think that's something you have to learn. We had to learn that, you know, not dishonoring your spouse in front of someone else Absolutely. or yes. the way you talk to them. I mean, that's that's a learned behavior, you it know. Is. So. You can never take it back either. No. You, you may apologize. You may mm -hmm. say, I'll never say it again. Mm -hmm. But once you've said it, you can't ever get it back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the thinking behind that, the arch rival, is um, I'm not going to let him get away with that. No one's going to control me. You can't talk to me like that. There's all this negative thinking going on that says, I'll say whatever I want to. That's the behavior that, comes, that follows that negative thought. You know, I I'm just going to throw this in there. I would notice that 
though culturally speaking, there's different regions of the country where people are a little bit more vocal. Like if you go to New Jersey, New sure. York area, the conversations that couples have would be a little bit more prone to be normal as opposed to come to Texas. And everyone's real nice here in Texas, mm-hmm. y'all. We have a very, very friendly, friendly culture state. here. Yeah. But I don't know if, if culturally speaking, that's more common in, a, in like an Italian family where people are just personality-wise going to have represent that as opposed to there's, you know, you go up north in the, like the Michigan area and you have a lot of more of that Nordic culture that has come over. Sure. They're very quiet, very quiet. reserved yes. in their, their demeanor. So I, I just, in terms of the arch rivals, do you see more of a, a, a bend towards couples who come from a cultural background? And I, I, here's, I would, I would just temper that a little bit. You may get people that are like, we've got one couple that we just love because they're, they're so entertaining. They just fight all night long, but there's never an ill word said. There's never a negative, oh, you're a jerk or, you know, or, or worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, you can be passionate and yuck it up and at the end of the night have a big laugh about the whole deal. Uh, that's different. So, I mean, we're what we're talking about is where not necessarily and and look I, I have come to appreciate uh new york culture in this sense at least you know where they stand <laughs> they are not gonna lie they're not gonna smile and then stab you in the back as you go out of the room right you know where they you so there's there's not necessarily it's not all bad, bad. that mm-hmm. when when couples because there's another one we're going to talk about in a minute that where they never fight okay mm-hmm. that's another that's another flip side of the same same coin but uh, I don't know that it's cultural as much as it is uh, the willingness to just be flat out mean and to demean and to diminish and to use the name calling and all of that. I think you can be passionate without that. That's good. I've, I've seen yeah, couples. That is good. Okay, so fan favorites is the next couple type that you have here. And these are all related to the kind of the terminology is is – related to maybe like some more sports? Sure. Professional, well, professional athletes, mm-hmm. um, they have one of the highest divorce rates. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, go fan favorite. Oh, fan go favorite. Ahead. Oh, yeah, this is the couple that, they're, they're, they're the uh, model couple. Like, they never fight. They're always sweet to each other. They're pleasant to be around. And then all of a sudden, you hear they're getting divorced, and you're, like, shocked. <laughs> right. Because they're the couple that avoid conflict at all costs put all problems on the shelf, and they just go about life living on the surface. Okay. And then one, one of them will come home, and the other one's just gone. Just gone, mm-hmm. disappeared. I don't know where what she happened? went. We never had a fight, <laughs> you know, because they're so conflict-adverse that they, they would rather just leave than actually work it out. And so, oh, I've been suffering for 20 years. Yeah, but you never said You anything. never said a thing. How am I sp- you know, I mm-hmm. had one wife say, well, look, my expectation is that he'll know what I want before I want it and fill that need before I even know what I want. <laughs> oh, he's right? not, he's I mean, not that's, set up for anything. <laughs> right, right. He's not set up for failure, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's that's the opposite side of always fighting is is never fighting. Never fighting. And I confess I was raised in the home of Ward and June Cleaver. And we never fought in my house. And if they did have a disagreement, it was behind closed doors and I never saw it. Well, my wife was raised, oh, God, I don't know whether she's listening or not, but my <laughs> wife was raised with four sisters. All, they were all two years apart. So there was just a little sibling rivalry going wow. on with that family. <laughs> so the first time Leanne and I got in a big fight, I wound up in the corner in the fetal position sucking my thumb. I had no idea how to, I had no idea what to do yeah. or how to manage that because I'd never been exposed to anybody even. Conflict. Uh, any conflict because I, I'm the... 
the baby, my brother's five years older, my sister's 10 years older, so I didn't even really fight with them, you know, growing up. I was sort of like a last only. Yeah. Uh, but knowing how to... Knowing how to resolve something's important. <laughs> We've worked it out. We've been married 36 years now, but I got to tell you, she pretty much had the upper hand early on. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was something, you know, but uh, I would have been more inclined to be the fan favorite personally mm-hmm. because I was so yeah, conflict for sure. adverse. For sure. Okay, Olympic yeah. Minded is the one that's next. Oh, Olympic Minded. Um, so those. That's These are the, the relational decathletes. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's that, true. There's it no is so one. True. There's no one who's really primary in their life. They they even after you're married, there's someone else who's their real person, and that's whether it's a mom, whether it's a friend group, another parent, uh, a business, or or something or like that, above. or all the above. Mm-hmm. Or these are the ones that I call them minos. You know, you've heard of people talk about rhinos, Republican mm-hmm. in name only. They are married in name only. Minos. Mm-hmm. Right? They're minos because I they... I saw a study recently that said 50% of women who are married have a backup partner in mind. Mm-hmm. Stephanie? Mm-hmm. Boy, oh. that's tough. <laughs> that's, that was a study I saw recently, but 50% of women have a backup partner in mind. Wow. So, uh, that is really, speaks a really... Bit to that. That's really, so yeah, these are the couples that don't mix their bank accounts. Uh, that if, you, if you don't throw in where you're still both paying your portion of the mortgage... Um, these are the ones that I see in 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 my office. They never really married. Mm-hmm. They didn't really commit to one another as they want to keep all their options open. All right? their options open, mm-hmm. and they're, yeah, in, they're yeah, still independent. And in the name of independence, they really are are self sabotaging. You know, if you say, "Well, I just want to keep my own money in case it doesn't work out," well, you're almost guaranteeing that it doesn't work out. You're mm-hmm. self fulfilling prophecy in that deal. But mm-hmm. yeah, so. Yeah. So Olympic that Mind is that one. one, and then Contract Couples is next. It's you meet my demands, you meet my demands. I'm all yours. The minute you don't, I'm out. So this is Contract Couples. Speak to that. Yeah. So you know, professional athletes they sign you know million dollar deals all the time, and they've got all these things in there that they want, and that's that's what that's a lot of couples come in our office and said, hey, um, as long as you know they stop now they've stopped meeting my needs, so or they don't do this or they don't do that, and I thought that that you know. So the contract's over. So they move on to the next team. The, the yeah, I think the 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 recurring theme is is that their love was always conditional. Conditional. It was always no transactional. Mm-hmm. It was always I will do for you, but only so long as you do for me. Mm-hmm. And what happens with well, those good. couples is when the when the going gets rough, somebody bails, and it's it's they're on to the next. Uh, they're on to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that is. Um, you know, well, I thought, and, and, you know, I thought she would do this and she was supposed to do that. And she didn't do this and she didn't do that. Or, or he doesn't earn enough or he isn't attentive enough or, or doesn't take care of himself, doesn't take yeah. care of himself, those kinds of things. Yep. But if you've kind of broken their, what their expectation was, then they don't feel any compunction about throwing you on the, uh, to the curb and then moving on to find yeah. somebody who'll keep their word. Right. Right. Can, can I speak to that just real quick? Sure. Because you said sure. didn't doesn't take care of themselves, and mm-hmm. I, th- I think this probably comes up more often than I'm aware of, which is you know you get married, somebody's trying very hard to win somebody over. They're working at their yes. appearance. They're yes. working at their mm-hmm. uh, manners. Mm-hmm. Manners. Say please and thank you to your spouse. Don't, yeah. Don't absolutely. don't take them for granted. You know the, these ideas that you have the ability now to just like not do anything anymore to be attractive to your spouse. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not even just about you know 
um, you know, being in the gym all the time. Sometimes it's just about hygiene, <laughs> and it's about you know grooming, sure. mm-hmm. and it's about making sure smells yep. and things <laughs> of that nature. We like to say, uh, keep a little mystery. Yeah, keep a little <laughs> yeah. mystery. Well, you know, there there is truth to that because a man typically, I'm going to be probably a little bit more uh, all inclusive of, of the men, and not it's not the way I feel about it. But a lot of times, men are are more prone to avoid showers to let hair grow out, uh, to be a little bit more burly and Gruff. have uh, mm-hmm. odors not just in their pits but in their mouths and, you know, those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah. And <laughs> sometimes even with spouses, you know, in, in the restroom, sometimes spouses leave the door open and there's, there's not a lot of mystery <laughs> in, the, in the restroom either. And that can just, that can just add up over time to reduce sure. the intimacy, and especially whenever you're wanting to be intimate. So if you're a husband that wants more sex with your wife, but you're not grooming or you're not taking care of yourself, and if you're a wife who just, you know, you mentioned last time, most, most men want their wives never to change, and they do. Uh, if you married a wife that, you know, through just natural tendency of childbirth and many years of just not being... Uh, yeah, it's, it's um, don't... I think your dad says, throw the flannel nightgown yeah. in the oh, fireplace. Yeah. But let's, let's start trying, you know. Sometimes people can just wear their, Burn you know. the Walmart dress. Yeah, yes. their Walmart Kermit <laughs> t-shirt around all the time. And it's, but my point is that, that I don't know if in this regard, some of what happens with that contract, contract mentality is, is that I have the contract. I mean, we're good. Now I can basically do whatever I want. Oh, yeah. Well, I heard oh, yeah. a pastor this weekend talking about if you have a belief when you get married that you've crossed the finish line, oh. you've already set yourself up mm-hmm. to yep. get lazy. Mm-hmm. He said the belief should be this is the starting line, and then you're going to run your race together yeah. in this marriage. So even that thought of, oh, I finally got her or him, yep. now I'm finished, right. that can lead to what you just described, Brent. Now, all right, now, this didn't make the top six, but I can tell you something happens over and over again. Couples who live together are deceived about whether or not that, what that means with regard to being married. Because what happens is as long as I've had so many people come to my office over the years say, well, we lived together for two years. And I thought it was safe, you know, we got married. And then as soon as that we got married, he or she changed. And so what happened is they were holding back. They weren't really showing themselves. Cohabitation isn't the place where everybody's really open, honest, and transparent. Mm-hmm. They're still holding a little back. And I've had tons of divorces over the years where one has come into my office six months. They lived together for two or three years. Six months of marriage, one of them's in my office because they felt like they were deceived because as soon as they crossed the finish line, mm-hmm. they, they started demonstrating some different behaviors than they had those previous years. Well, so, and we call it holding and showing because you can withhold, but then you can also put on a show. Mm-hmm. So holding and showing. Holding and, and showing, yeah, yeah because mm-hmm. it, it's my, my admonition is to young people, cohabitation is not a good precursor. It's not a good pre-representation of what marriage, only so marriage. True. Only marriage can show you what marriage is like, mm-hmm. and I just don't advise cohabitation. It's just I don't I don't think it works, and there's all kinds of other reasons, religious and otherwise. But it doesn't it doesn't prevent you from getting a divorce, and can actually lead to it because of the 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 change in 
behaviors uh, and belief. Once, belief once that light switch. Finish line belief. Yeah. Well, well, I would just say, well, we'll have to do another show about this at some point because there's a way <laughs> yeah, to bring up to. issues with your spouse. For example, you know, if, if, if you're chronically wanting to be intimate with your spouse, but there's just this, like, part where it's just a turnoff, I mean, you literally can't imagine, can't. Yeah. like, being into an intimate moment physically with somebody that's turning you off, right. not because it's a flaw, but because it's a habit, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a way to have, I, I would just love to foster a conversation where couples can address things that they want, not be brutal Betty unnecessarily, but, you know, would you please brush your teeth before coming to bed? Would you please, you know, take the time to just trim some, some body hair mm -hmm. or, you know, make sure that you shower or whatever it is. Those things, those seem basic, to a lot of people, but I think for couples, a lot of times what we've uh, experienced or, or noticed just from, from 25 years of marriage is sometimes even in our relationship, I didn't know that there was things or she didn't know there was things that were bothering me, not things that are, that are cute, that just need to be are, overlooked. Are you talking about like when I used to sip my coffee? Slurp it. Yeah, she's. Oh. Yeah, she has. <laughs> we both have crazy. habits, you know. You yes, go through. Yes. That, that's that's unconditional love. We both we both love. Uh, well, and to each piggyback other. on that, Brent, I think timing is important to have those conversations. If you're just reacting, oh, you didn't brush your teeth again. Don't kiss me. Those things can be offensive to uh, the relationship. So I think it's really important that you have a safety uh, conversation that says, "Is this a good time to talk?" Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying is I think it's helpful if you address things, but yes, how do you address sure. those things without coming across cruel or mean or critical, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's critique and then there's criticism. Mm -hmm. And how do you critique your spouse without talking about something critically? And I, I just think that over time as you're developing intimacy, you have to have <laughs> honest conversations about Absolutely. things. And, no. you know, my, 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 grandpa, my grandparents... <laughs> At some point, I grew up thinking this was normal. This is my grandparents. My grandfather had his own room, and my grandmother had her own room. They, lo they loved each other. They were married for 60 years. Sure. Uh, but he passed gas and snored every night. Mm -hmm. And at some point, she was like, can't do it. Can't do yeah, it. Done. <laughs> yeah. Not night. The, the, the reality <laughs> is, so is that they loved each other, but you know, she was just That's like, true. I can't do this anymore. I need a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. And so those conversations happen. You know, for every couple, it's different. But, you know, you, you have to have the conversations. Otherwise, one person is miserable. They're, they're, right. they're having to hold their nose and, and have sleepless nights every night unless they have, right, have honest right. conversations about it. So, anyway, okay. Brent, so, I, I would should, look, that's certainly not my area of expertise and in, in professionally for sure. But I can say this from a mediator's standpoint. The, the, the way I would frame those conversations there you go. Let's go. Are, not, <laughs> are not right or wrong. This is bad, good, bad not helpful. It's just not helpful. And so is what you're doing helpful or not helpful? So if you want to be intimate with me, probe. it is not helpful for you to stink when you come, <laughs> right. when you get in there. Yeah, it's just, you want crazy it's just, sex, I'm not saying you're wrong. Have, yeah. you're, you're a great guy. I love you to death, but it's not helpful. Some guys, some guys have, right, right. It's helpful or not helpful. Some guys right? have jobs or ladies have jobs where they are prone to have odors associated with them, sure, right? If you work sure. in a factory, if you work outside, right. if, if you are, I mean, restaurant business, for example, mm. there's a lot of greasy smells and things of that nature. So when you come home expecting someone to be turned on right away, I mean, unless there's, I don't know, I don't know. 
It would just be helpful if you of, took a shower. I get yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It'd so, just be helpful. We have people watching uh, Butterfly from Indiana. We have people from uh, Branson, Missouri, Jefferson City, Missouri, and Cincinnati as well. We are we are grateful for everyone watching right now. Uh, we have Next two more category. left. Yeah, two more. Yeah. Oh, two more. Um, so we're talking about the six types of couples that Neil and Teresa both see, both in the divorce office and in the mediation office, the marriage mediation office here at XO. Um, and we've gone through arch rivals, fan favorites, Olympic minded, contract couples, and these are these are kind of titles related to professional athletes because that's a very common uh, theme with people who have, um, I guess, these, those types of arrangements in marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, so the, the next two are scorekeepers and oh winners boy. and losers. So let's go oh. through scorekeepers. Go ahead, Neil. Scorekeepers. That's a good one. Well, scorekeepers are just those that never, I, in my opinion, one of the biggest um, foretellers of a successful marriage is a couple who both have giant forgetters, right? <laughs> and the, the, the scorekeepers are the ones that every fight they have goes all the way back to I'm still mad about you sitting my dad next to your aunt at the rehearsal dinner right I mean it just they just never there's they never actually resolve any issue it's just postponed till the next fight and every fight then devolves back into the previous fight and the fight before that and the fight before that and it's it's just a nightmare of unforgiveness of the the ability to let it go um well in the and in that category too are the um they keep tabs like how much did i do how much did you do mm -hmm. and they keep tabs of of i must not be worth worth it because he still won't do this or she still won't do that and then the tab of the marriage and by the time they get to the place where they're keeping tabs on the marriage that's where they can justify game over mm. so keeping tabs on what's going on in the marriage and on you and on me and then the marriage can be very damaging as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's good. Okay, winners and losers. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to so, let Teresa jump in on this one. So that's um, narcissistic relationships, meaning that um, the narcissist has to win at all cost and the spouse that chooses to stay in that relationship loses big because one of two things can happen. The narcissist is still going to be going down the track of win at all cost. So then you've got a spouse that decides to stay in the marriage and loses because they get no relationship. And then at some point, maybe the narcissist decides to lose them to leave the marriage after they've endured this narcissist. So both ends of that on the bookends, they lose the spouse loses that's married to the narcissist. We do see that a lot. And it's a spectrum disorder. I mean, we all have a little bit, but you, you get sure. you get people who are just over into that category. It's very, very difficult to help someone save a relationship if they cannot acknowledge their role in it. And I remember a, a conversation I had with one guy. I said, look, dude, okay. I don't care if you are only 5% of this problem, but you are going to own 100% of your 5%. I don't want you to say another word about it's all their, their fault. Right. And, and they just, they just they can't. can't do it. And, yeah. and if they admit they're wrong, they die. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's, 
and you would imagine, as you might imagine, I see a lot of those. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of those wind up in my office. Absolutely. and Primarily men in that category, or, or are there women as well? Oh, I've seen it both ways. Mm-hmm. It, it manifests it's itself in, in different ways for mm-hmm. both of them. One, I, I, uh, one of the interesting um, manifestations of narcissism in women is this romantic ideation of love. And these are the women who've been married four, five, six times. And I had a divorce that I did where a guy comes in and, well, she told me I was husband number three, come to find out he was husband number six. Oh, wow. <laughs> and every time she would figure out that he wasn't, the husband wasn't perfect, she would ditch him and go find another perfect one. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she discovered they weren't perfect, then they would, you know, that was her, her serial uh, marriages. But totally it was a... A part of that narcissistic personality is that is that the guy she married had to be perfect, mm-hmm. or as perfect as she perceived that she was. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I think part of part of what I would. But say, it goes both ways. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. What I would say is that there is we've we've noticed this is that it's very easy to label your spouse whenever you're not a psychologist, and it's yes. very easy to put labels on them: mm-hmm. bipolar, mm-hmm. narcissistic. Yep. And those are those are clinical terms that are meant to be diagnosed. Absolutely. And if you're living yep. with somebody who's truly bipolar, it's not something that you can uh, even you know it when you see it. Like sure. you, you, everyone says they have ADHD until you meet somebody with ADHD and you realize there is oh. a spectrum there, or <laughs> autism, or whatever it is. Exactly. And there's there's got to be uh, there's got to be a clinical diagnosis. Otherwise, you start to put everybody. Yes. You, you if you say my I'm married to a narcissist. They can't get out of that box. Nope. They, they didn't put themselves in that box. You the psychologist did. didn't put themselves right. in that box. You put them in that box, and now they're everything they do. They can't. They can't filter. even reason. Mm-hmm. That's good. Because it's it's always good. well, and that's sort of what I call losers limp. Because here's here's what happens is now they're able to now it's really interesting they're going they're going to call the other side a narcissist so they can blame a hundred them for hundred exactly they blame them for hundred percent of what's they don't wrong take it's, it's a quick and, divorce and, 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 yeah I can't yeah so there's no there's no cure that I know of for narcissism right, nope right. It, except for Jesus mm-hmm. intervening mm-hmm. and there being a God moment where that person like, I did talk to a guy from Florida who said I was a clinical nar- narcissist. That I got set free. He said, I, wow. I had a moment where wow. I was able to see who I was mm-hmm. and I was able to break free from that. He said, I'm trying to help more people understand mm-hmm. that. But it's very difficult it to is. explain to a narcissist that they are narcissistic. Yes. But but the idea that it's automatically a divorce, unless again you've gone through a process where that spouse is clinically diagnosed and unwilling to change. Right. You can't just be you know, uh, so quick to say, well, that's the way they are, so now I have to leave because they'll never change. Right. And that's what the winners and losers, I think, is really good because you're, you're saying, I'm, I'm basically, if, if I'm married to a narcissist, I've already lost. I've already lost. Mm-hmm. And they're always going to win. So in order to win, I have to get to a new relationship. Mm. Or if, mm. you, if you happen to win, then the, the, the price you pay for that is and, and these are the ones that litigate over and over and over the whole the whole thing because they if it's truly a narcissistic person on the other side they will never accept their defeat and they just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back it's a terrible cycle so for those that have are, are actually in it I understand but it's also not to be used lightly as just an excuse to j- jump out and then tell everybody you know that uh, 
it's an awfully convenient way to never have to deal with your own problems. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, to, yeah, mm -hmm. to deflect. Yep, to deflect off onto your own. Issues. Okay, we have some. Uh, this is a comment from Denise. I'm planning to escape my abusive marriage. I married because I got knocked up by him and regret that decision. My firstborn son is being abused and can verbalize it now. Hubby is on the narc spectrum, mm -hmm. meaning that he is. She's she's saying he's on the narcissistic spe spectrum, not the narc drug enforcement. Right, spectrum. right. <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, and then Tetra says, sounds like a crappy situation. Well, your bedside manner is a little crappy in Tetra. Um, Denise comes back and says, it is sucky. It's not physical abuse, but emotional and spiritual. Therapy, counseling, and church groups haven't helped. He puts up a front and has everyone fooled except his sister. So here's a situation where Denise is, is obviously in pain. She's hurting. She's, she's in a situation where she has a child with, with somebody that is abusive in her world is very at the very least demeaning, mm -hmm. uh, but at the most possibly, you know, causing true damage sure. when it comes to mental and, and spiritual abuse. Mm -hmm. um, I think in these situations where somebody is just downloading their marriage problems and it's not a question, it's a statement of I'm married to him and he's abusive and I have to leave. I guess, how do you put in a, like a, a place, placeholder card that says, just a second, time out. Yeah. We're going to do a little debrief on like this situation to let her know that there's even a glimmer of hope or something she can do or some application or even as she's kind of trying to build her life independent of him, how would you talk to her if she was just off the street coming up and saying something to you? Well, the first thing we would do is address how she got to that belief that all the way she labeled him and we would, um, give wise counsel on how the, that belief is working or not working for her. But more importantly, um, I love when Jimmy Evans talks about if the relationship is at such a critical state, if, if what she's saying is true and there is emotional abuse going on about constructive separation. Sometimes when you're in those situations, if they are that severe, a constructive separation is in order that you can put the couple in a, in a safe place that they both have agreed. We're gonna separate and we're gonna work on, work on ourselves and then we're gonna continue to come back and manage what's the abuse going on, whatever's going on. And as long as both of them are motivated to make those belief changes that would lead to behavioral changes, then those constructive separations can be um, just a, a cooling off period, an unplugging period that allows each of them to invest in bringing together a healthy marriage. And so it, it would depend, you know, once we did the discovery on what she's saying, what, what path we would go with her and her husband. And, and one step further than that is, even though Texas does not have legal separation, I can impose a legal framework on that relationship. So just because you file for divorce doesn't mean you have to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. And I'd just be tickled pink to dismiss the case. But under Texas law, if I file the case, then there are certain protections that come into place uh, about and injunctions and court orders about, uh, uh, you know, bad behavior, moving money, cutting people off, changing things, kicking people out of the house. All that, all that stuff can be... I can put a blanket on the, the, I can stop the bad stuff, at least temporarily, and to give them uh, that time and that framework in which to say, look, I don't want a divorce, 
but I'm going to protect myself if I have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because and she did mention that they've tried every type of counseling, church groups and all that, and none mm -hmm. of that's working. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to the next level. So if care. the next level is, okay, buddy, I'm, I'm really, really serious, serious here. I've hired the lawyer. I've gotten you served. But I am willing to put this all on the table here if you will at least come, if, if you want to work on it. But it's flip or fly time at that point. You've hired the lawyer. You've hired, you know, you've done all that. Yeah. I mean, he, he. There may be one last bastion of hope, and that would be. And, and you know, I have had six or seven relationships in my career that we've actually saved the marriage by letting him know that there was, in fact, a boundary which he could not cross. Mm -hmm. He did not believe that she would ever impose a boundary on him, and when she did then Things that is the only thing that ever got his attention was the fact that she was willing to come to my office. Mm -hmm. So it just depends upon the severity. I would say talk to Teresa first, and then if Teresa says, no, this has got to go to that next level, then do so. But um, it can the legal system can be used as a tool of separation and, and uh, reconciliation but only in an extreme. That's, that is a very extreme uh, example, and it's only happened like seven times in 30 years. Yeah, well, I would just Something say that, like that. that with this, I, whenever somebody gives you just one side of the story, sure. it's very difficult to give mm -hmm. really the, 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 the true advice. analysis yep. and right. advice that you can give sure. if you have all the, the data. But given the situation, just, just taking it for what it's worth, I mean, my two cents would be a constructive separation where she's moving her and her son into a safe. family member's home, yep. going somewhere where yep. she can feel safe, mm -hmm. and then telling him, uh, we won't be returning until things change, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. putting some boundaries in place. Well, that's the boundary, yeah. Yep. And yeah. then, you know, like the, the marriage mediation or something that's going to be a little Absolutely. more intensive. Yes. An intensive is going to help to drive things to a place, but he's got to be ready, and he's never going to be ready if he feels like he can get away with it. Absolutely. Constantly. And once you, I feel like once you lawyer up, you know, it just no, no, it's, it's a drastic. It's, it's, it's the okay, I'm not, crowd. I'm not advocating. I mean, it. it's, I'm just you're just saying. waiting for some somebody yeah. to pull out the gun first. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree. With no, that. but I'm not I'm, saying this wrong. I'm just saying, in severe situation, I think that's the right move. Sure. All I'm saying is, is that once once you bring lawyers into the mix, when somebody's already prone to fly off the handle, sure. oh, they will lose their stuff uh, in that situation. Well, here's, here now, and all right, here, <laughs> here's how that conversation goes. Ma'am, he may intimidate you, but I've lost body parts in these courtrooms, and I will have my foot on his neck in the fast, next 30 minutes mm -hmm. before we go into the courtroom because they're bullied. They believe he has superpowers. They believe, I mean, he's told her, oh, your lawyer's not any good. He's going to do this, you know. And, and now I'm speaking to where there's physical abuse. That's the line that I would say you cannot. And hers is uh, She's talking about emotional abuse. Yeah. But when I've got a, a place abuse. where he's physically abusive, then I just think you have to. And, and here's what I would call that, the defensive use of force. I, I don't really believe in going out and just harming people to harm people just to be mean and all that. But if I've got to protect you, I will do what I need to do to protect you, and especially if you have children. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, uh, it is the draconian last line in the sand uh, maneuver. But if you've got um, a heart that says even still, 
I would take you back and I would save our marriage, but I cannot let you, you just have to draw some boundaries. And these guys, these abusers have to know that it's just not going to fly in this relationship anymore. Yeah. And then they've got to decide. Well, you know, in the decade of doing marriage mediation, it has been a constructive tool for many couples mm -hmm. to do constructive se separation yeah, because mm -hmm. they're able to come back and they're, they haven't spent all their energy putting up with each other. Mm -hmm. They've spent energy on oh, healthy that's things. that's great. That's mm -hmm. a great idea. And so when they come into a mediation, they are open, they're transparent, um, and they have, they're not coming in with all this weight and hate. Great question coming in from Mama AT. It's an interesting handle, but I like it. Is telling your spouse, if you cheat on me, I'm out, considered a contract marriage? <laughs> I think that's covenant, isn't it? Well, I'm saying like if you... If I'm just saying, thing. I mean, it's, it's the, the one thing. thing if they want to mm -hmm. talk, if you want to go down that path. I, I mean, I don't know. So that language, though, that upfront, if you ever cheat on me, I'm out. I'm getting a divorce. Is that what? What category would you qualify that in? That six types of couples. They're asking if that's more of that contract Con mentality. Oh. Like if if you breach mm -hmm. this contract, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Now, cheating is obviously going to be adultery. Is one of those things where I think for a man, he can never imagine probably going back into a relationship where there's been uh, infidelity for a woman. Maybe that's a little bit different. I, I, what I've deduced, and I'm not Sherlock Holmes, uh, <laughs> but what I've deduced is that emotional intimacy for her mm -hmm. is like physical intimacy for me. So if, if, if she found out that I had an emotional relationship, a deep, intimate emotional relationship, not Ooh. physical, with another woman, that would be extremely sure. violating for her. Absolutely. The same way it would be for me if she was with a man physically. Physical. And the opposite, probably, like if, if, if she had an emotional relationship with a man, I could be way more forgiving yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. And I think probably the physical aspect of a man being with a woman would be easier mm -hmm. to overcome. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's ever easy. Easier is just a good qualifier to say there's probably different nuances of adultery that are easier to manage. However, it is, it is a felony in the, in the courtroom of, of marriage. It's a felony. And you do have legal grounds for divorce afterwards. I mean, that's, yes. that's a biblical grounds for divorce. Mm -hmm. And it's a very astute U.S. constitutional grounds for divorce, probably, <laughs> uh, that you violate that trust in a marriage by... by it's, it's, it's a Ten Commandment, for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you, you go down that path of, of cheating on your spouse, and you are... It, it, it's, it's an extreme violation. So if, if you have that mindset right away, are you, are you thinking that's going to sabotage the relationship? Well, at, okay, I'm going to give you the very best lawyer answer, and then this is going to really help you in your future, Brent. This is an answer you need to use. It depends, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's really, I mean, there's just, the there's just simply not enough information there to give her an answer that well, would be I honest or anywhere near accurate because it depends. It does depend. Did she, did she um, let me give you an example. Let's say that her father was a serial philanderer and she was raised in a household mm -hmm. where all her mother did was turn her head at, while her dad had a, a serving noun number on his bedroom, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That is a circumstance where a man walking into that, if she says the one thing, I've had so much pain in my life caused by infidelity, the one thing 
that if you want to hurt me, if you want to ruin me, if you want to make me uh, distrustful to the point where I could never be with you or any other man, cheat on me. You see what I'm saying? That That is a circumstance out of which that guy just knows up front, there's one thing I best never do. And sure. there can be compassion right? behind that if that's how the conversation But would you goes. consider, like, watching the, pornography, is that grounds for divorce? So some women think that cheating is not necessarily just physical, but it's any time a man's mind is on somebody other than her. Mm -hmm. So I've had uh, guys come to me and say that their wives were thinking about getting a divorce because he was caught looking at pornography. Mm -hmm. And I said, dude, that's not, that's not actually something your wife needs to start talking about right now. That's, that's not true. And the, the pornography issue with men, again, going and trying to explain it to both men and women in a way that they'll understand it, is that men, men are visually stimulated. And in a world where there's visual stim stimulation constantly, for a man to get tripped up seeing something and if, if he's struggling with it chronically that's one thing but i'm saying like if you've caught your guy and he's watching pornography and your next comment is i'm going to divorce you i think that's wrong i think you gotta you gotta go down a path to understand why he's looking at it why was it was it intentional if it was intentional what is he what is he dealing with what's in his what's in his mind because a lot of times guys are on a, in this shame cycle related sure, to sure. pornography and they don't want to do it and then they do it and they feel shamed it's, it's almost like a drug for them. Yes. So in those situations, I think it's difficult for a wife to hear that mm -hmm. and not feel violated. For sure. Feel like they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just in a, in a psyche of a man, it's not the same. No. It's, it's a struggle for, I'm not, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but I would say that in the course of a man's life, you know, a majority of men walk through a season where they've struggled with it at some point along the way. Mm -hmm. Dave and Ashley Willis, that's part of their testimony. I mean, you have yes. godly couples, godly men who struggle with it. St the struggle is real. The, the problem I have is sometimes people qualify that as cheating in the same way as if he was going to uh, a woman's house and having physical sex. And I just don't, I don't qualify it the same. But I would like to know how you all feel about that topic because it's one of those topics most people don't talk about sure. related to marriage, but it's a huge issue in most marriages that, we, that we've discovered. And I think when we do a marriage mediation, it's such a tender, fragile area when that comes up. And I remind, let's just say it's the husband that's doing the pornography viewing. I remind them that the day they got married, they became one. And so spiritually, when he's watching that, I, I would... In the session, I sit right next to him, and I said, this is your marriage every time you watch that. She, spiritually, you're connected. You are one. So every time you watch it, she's watching it. No wonder it, it, there's so much damage over here with her. No wonder she wants to divorce. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought, and then I'll sit next to the wife and say the compassion part where mm -hmm. you're talking about what you just addressed. Was this an this something a learned behavior is this an addiction mm -hmm. is this something he just picked up we don't have enough information to make a divorce decision yet mm -hmm. so as a married couple we've got to have safety a, a safe environment so we can talk this out every time you watch pornography you bring her with you spiritually every time you say divorce there's the shame game going on shame that he's already probably experienced before. It's mm -hmm. nothing new. But how can we use this marriage as a healing vehicle 
even for this pornography issue. So that's what we can do in mediation is talk it on that level versus making these irrational, quick decisions that are only going to lead to more damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, one of, the, one of the main dangers I, I find in marriage related to pornography is it puts an unfair expectation on your spouse for them to perform in a way that you've seen visually. It's just not realistic. Not realistic. It's, it's not a realistic picture of sex in a marriage especially. And men sometimes fantasize about things. The most unfair thing about it to a wife is, is now they're put into a situation where they have to live up to an expectation that they can never live up to. It's a very, it's a very, very, very damaging psychological poison you're putting in your mind it, men don't realize that and that's why it's you know it's uh, human nature for men I guess to to want to uh, uh, watch or visualize something that leads them to a gratification but once that gratification hits shame cycle it's like why did I do that I don't want to do it again mm -hmm. and it's it's just like a fool re repeats his folly you just kind of like a dog returns back to his vomit it's all those those you know Proverbs is a very powerful yeah. book when you want to talk about uh, the, the, the language that Solomon uses about watching a woman walk and yes. that she's just alluring, but her bed is like flames. It'll just, it's, 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 adultery at the end of the day burns you up. It does yes. not fulfill Absolutely. any sort of purpose in your life. I think uh, in the last time I was here, I call it coping stupidly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, oh, it's, like it, it's mm -hmm. coping stupidly with whatever those issues are that drove you there. And Brent, I, I can tell you, I don't see that many divorces that actually identify. where they identify the issue when they come into my office as either I am addicted or she says he's a, you know, that, 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 yeah, I haven't seen that That's much. So maybe it's, mm -hmm. maybe it's something people, um, live with or suffer through or whatever, but I haven't, I haven't, I can actually, I don't know that I've ever had uh, a divorce that was actually caused by, uh, or at least verbalized. You know, that, that might have been in the under, get it, believe it or not, sometimes people don't tell their lawyer everything, right? And, that's uh, something you see, Teresa, right? Sometimes but you in, see in marriage it. mediation. Oh, you see huge, it. Okay. huge mediation. And there's that denial cycle of, I'm not hurting anyone, it's just me and this screen like laptop or whatever. or whatever it is it's not really hurting anyone and i love the uh speaker you had at the exo conference when he was talking about the chemical mm -hmm. brain the scientific stuff that what's it's going on that you have now conditioned your brain that you can't even be turned on by exactly a common normal it escalates yeah you, what, what used to gratify you doesn't gratify you anymore so you escalate it and it gets worse and worse and at some point that's interesting you don't have the ability to connect like a normal human being That's does right. with another human being, you have you have to do all this kind of stuff to get things excitable. And listen, you know, if you're in the context of of marriage, you're in a monogamous relationship. The bedroom is supposed to be explored. Sacred. You're supposed to do a lot of fun things in there. Mm -hmm. But the moment you introduce other people, and other people includes pornography, Absolutely. you're just you're just creating an opportunity for there to be frustration, rejection. Um, you know, just uh, uh, an inability to just be together. Certainly not helpful. It's not helpful. Right, it's not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. Well, I have so much more stuff I want to talk about, and we're already <laughs> over an hour, so oh, you guys are, are really? a wealth of okay. knowledge. Okay. I know you guys have to bail. Um, I, I am reading this book. Uh, it's called The Two-Parent Privilege. I, I really stumbled across it. Melissa Kearney is the uh, author of that. She's an MIT economist. 
But one, maybe I'll come back on and we'll talk about some of the data sure, related to. to divorce and why it happens, but also the benefit of why people who are in a two-parent home are better off. Categorically. Categorically. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're better off. And uh, one of the things that, Teresa, you sent me this, this article. Uh, Ty, I want to throw that up on the screen, that, that screen grab of that article from the, the Wall Street Journal. Oh, yeah. Neil's and, on. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is an interesting thing we'll talk about next time. But um, that the housing costs are so high right now that divorced couples are having to live together because mm -hmm. they can't afford any other housing. Imagine that. And so the, oh the effects of you the economy uh, on marriage are interesting. Yes. And, you know, this, this idea that, you know, you get divorced and you just move on, it, especially now with the housing, you know, the, the interest rates where they are, you, you might be stuck with that person for a while. So exactly. you might want to try marriage mediation on, <laughs> on your way. While you're, while you're cohabitating in a house, right. considering divorce, come to mediation. Yeah. So you can find everything Absolutely. you need to know about mediation on exomarriage.com. Go to the help section. You can find all of our information on uh, mediation. And you can yeah, leave that back up there. Go back up there. I want to say this before we leave. Okay. So this was a funny, uh, I was going to bring this up. <laughs> uh, Instagram, I saw husbands coming in to take care of their sick wife. And it says, here's your water and some medicine. What's uh, the plan for what's the plan tonight? for dinner tonight? So <laughs> 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 also oh, true. Oh, you gotta love it. Uh, <laughs> men, That's great. Men typically, uh, so, so I am true. one of those that oh. I have I have one or two go to That's meals so bef before Stephanie has to go. You know, maybe I should maybe I should throw some uh, nutrition it, away. And I know <laughs> we're better. wrapping it up, but let let me just say, without any hesitation to anybody who's listening here. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to your children to try to save that marriage before you come to my office. If you come to my office, I'll do my job, but I don't relish the job. And, and I don't need your case to make my career. I've already done that, right? But, but please prayerfully consider trying to do the miraculous. Try to pull the fat out of the fire. If you're in that spot to where you really think you cannot go any longer, you know, there's an old saying, tie knot and hang on and really come, come try this. It just, it won't hurt you. Mm -mm. And, and I will tell you this, even if you wind up going through a divorce, it'll make you a better, more effective co-parent if you have a better understanding mm -hmm. about what led you to the, this in sure. the, in the first place. That's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Wholehearted endorsement from me. Well, thank you everyone for watching on EXO Live. We are uh, wrapping up right now. Thank you guys for being on the show today. You guys going to come back? Sure. Honor. Oh, yeah. Sure, yep. We need you back. <laughs> People want to want to pick your brain about relationships, and uh, I think it's interesting to have both of your takes. It's a, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic to have you know, the, both sides of that critical care, crisis management of, of marriage and divorce. And y'all do a great job of, of uh, leading people proactively back to Christ and uh, getting it through. You know, it's, it's like walking through a fire, and you want them to come through as much as possible without being <laughs> Absolutely. completely Absolutely. covered in third-degree burns. Mm -hmm. uh, but we believe that your marriage has a 100% chance of success. Uh, please check out exomarriage.com, all of our channels. You can follow me on at marriage on Instagram. We also have the at exomarriage Instagram channel as well. All of our, our socials are out there which you can follow for free marriage content. We want you to have a great marriage. We'll be launching a lot of things the next year uh, related to pre-marriage, parenting, 
Uh, every aspect of what we're doing is trying to meet the needs of those couples out there that are walking through the journey of relationships. And so I want to finish by saying, uh, if, if, if you're considering interview giving, please consider XO. We, we need your support more than ever. We are now in the XO Marriage Center. We are trying to do more than we ever have before. We've been around for 30 years, but these next 30 years, we want to grow exponentially. And we need supporters like you to step up and help us. So any gift that you can give will go a long way. It'll, it'll hit every single aspect of a marriage. So from pre-marriage to crisis, and we're also doing some things internationally and some translations that we're going to be working on in 2024. We can only do it with your help. So please go to exomarriage.com slash give and uh, give your best gift from now until the end of the year. But go right now and do it. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.